Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Amen. Amen and amen. Did you bring your Bible to church this morning? Yes, sir. Did you? Would you take your Bible, hold it up with me? Would you just hold it up? Hold it up nice and high and just say, I want you to say this with me. God, I thank you for your word. Would you do that? Yeah. Then would you pray this prayer? Don't put it down yet. Would you pray this prayer with me? Lord, speak to me from your word this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. Luke's gospel, the sixth chapter. I want to begin our discussion this morning looking at a few um, specific verses that I selected uh, for uh, discussion today. Uh, I just looked over and I got a little tongue-tied because I saw Stacy. And Stacy, it's so nice to see you. We've been praying for you for, I like to say weeks, but it's really been months. And sure glad to see you here today. God bless you, sister. Uh, and so let, let's take a look, just a couple Bible verses uh, as we begin um, our, our, our time together in, in His Word this morning. Luke chapter 6 and verse number 38. It's, I'll have it on the screen here in case uh, you want to look there. Look, look, look what it says. It says, give and it shall be given unto you. Right? Are you there? No, notice. Notice how. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Somebody say, wow. Give and it shall be given to you and the way he speaks about it here, I, I think that's, man, that's, that's exciting. He says, shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure you meet, or in the same way you give, it shall be measured to you or given to you. Right? So there's correlation there. Right? Did you get that? Yes. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Say it with me. Luke 6, 38. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 9. Again, I'll flash it up on the screen for you. Proverbs 3, verse 9, verse 10 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Right? Now look at the result. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. You see that? Huh? Look at it again. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Give God your best. Give God your best, is what he's saying. And he says this, so shall thy barns be, say it, filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Now, we, we're not looking forward to our presses bursting out with new wine, but, oh, maybe we are. I don't know. You get too much reaction on that. And so, Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10, say it with me, Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. So we looked at Luke chapter 6, verse 38, and now we've looked at Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10, right? Let me throw up another one on the screen for you. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 says this. He says, bring, 
bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Just so we understand the terminology there, a tithe simply means a tenth, a tenth. The storehouse, we believe in the New Testament, is the church. So what he's saying is this, you ought to, you ought to pay your tithe, you ought to give your tithe to the church, you ought to give 10% of your increase, of your earnings, to the church, to God. That there may be meat in my house, he says, and prove me now, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not, get this, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive. Amen. Did you see that? How many of us love the last part of that verse? How many struggle with the first part? <laughs> how many like the last part of the verse? Yeah, how many struggle with the first part? Mm. Did you hear it? So, Luke chapter number 6, verse 38, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, and Malachi chapter 3, verse number 10, all has something in common. There's commonality there. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure if you noticed it or not. Uh, in, in Luke chapter number 6, it's running over, right? It's running over. I like that, running over. And then in Proverbs, it talks about barns being filled and presses bursting, and then in Malachi chapter number 3, blessing, God's opening up the window of heaven. He's pouring you out a blessing. I mean to tell you, you, you just will not have enough room to receive it. Huh? Did you see that? And, and I'm not sure if you made the connection or not, but there's a, combina there's a, there's a combination, a commonality here, and that is this. It's, here, here, here it is. Pay attention to this. Each verse combines overflow with generosity. Huh? Each verse combines overflow with generosity, or maybe we would say it this way. Somebody would think of it this way. Maybe it's generosity and then overflow, but I think what I'm trying to teach here in the realm of overflow, what he's trying to say is this, through your overflow, you become generous. Generosity. <laughs> I like that. That's overflow. And we've discussed this over the past several weeks now, what, what it requires to live life in the overflow, right? You've been with us for the past few weeks. If you're a visitor, we welcome you today. A guest, we welcome you. We've been on the subject of overflow, living life in the overflow or under the abundant blessing of Almighty God. That's where we want to be. That's where we want to live, right? In the overflow. And, in, and to live in the overflow, we had said this, uh, at least three weeks spent on this one thought, and that was this, it takes understanding, obedience, and gratitude, right? And they're foundational. So when you and I, when we begin to understand, you know, the Word of God, obey the Word of God, and appreciate the Word of God, or appreciate what God is doing in our lives, when we take the time to count our blessings, it places us in a position of blessing, right? And we all want, of course, to be in that position of blessing. And, and, and I think this, I think then genera uh, generosity is an overflow from the overflow. Say amen right there. Amen. Generosity is an overflow from the overflow. And when you trace the Scriptures, when you look at the Scriptures, you, you can see the virtue, the virtue, the quality of generosity. Now, don't get nervous. 
Because every time we speak about generosity, the first thing you think about is money. You're at church, and I know what you're thinking. This message is to get more money out of my pocket. But it's not. This message goes with the theme of overflow, living life in the overflow. And, and part of, you know, the result of living in the overflow of God is that you overflow. Isn't that right? Huh? I, I was asked this morning, somebody came in the office this morning and said, said Preach, you got some time this week to, to maybe, you know, get together for a cup of coffee? And I said, yeah, we can make some time. And here's what the person said, I just, I just want to be able to splash on you a little bit. I want to splash on you a little bit. And so I, I got the impression that my brother's getting blessed and he just wants me to be a part of his overflow. Right? And so when you look in Scripture, you can't help but see the quality, the virtue of generosity. Say it with me, generosity. Generosity. And as with all good things, pay attention right here, as with all good things, generosity, generosity begins with God. As with all good things, all good things come down from the Father of lights, right? And so generosity begins with God. Did you ever hear this statement? You heard this. I know you probably even said this. Man, that's a God thing. That's a God thing, right? And when we use that terminology, when we say, man, that's a God thing, uh, what we're kind of, I guess, hinting to is, you know, we've just seen God do something. There's no other way to explain it. God did that. Are you with me? It's a God thing. How many of us have seen a God thing? I remember several, man, several, several Thanksgivings ago. I think it was on a Wednesday night, John. I preached the message, and I entitled the message, I Saw God Do It. You know, I got to look that up. I got it somewhere in my archives. I Saw God Do It. And on the Wednesday night, or maybe it was a Tuesday night before Thanksgiving, uh, we got together as a church, you know, for a midweek service, and I just began to, to rehearse, uh, declare, recall some of the things that we as a church seen God do. And, and many times, I want to tell you something, I don't know back then, it was a while ago, I don't know if we used the terminology, that's a God thing. But man, I'll tell you what, when I look back, that was a God thing. Amen. There was no other way to explain it other than God did that. God got uh, involved in that. And, and many times, you know, when you look at things, there is no other explanation other than God was involved somehow. Well, uh, I, like to, I like to believe this. I like to say with confidence that generosity is a God thing. It's a God thing. And we can trace it back, I mean to tell you, we can trace it all the way back to the very beginning, book of Genesis. You know, Genesis begins to record, record for us the beginning of everything, right? It's the book of beginnings. And what we see, I mean, early on is God creating uh, the man. You know, after he creates all uh, that man would need to live, right? He creates the man, and then he creates the woman, and he brings them two, those two together. And, of course, they're married, right? And he places them in a perfect environment. I mean, it's perfect. You know, I've, I've been to some nice places in my life, you know, but nowhere that I would say was perfect because even some of the nicest places I've been, I've gotten bitten by mosquitoes. Huh? 
Don and I last Monday went down, we, we went down to the, uh, to the beach for a little bit, and then we came home, and our ankles were bit up by sand fleas. I mean, to tell you, we itched for two days. Uh, not perfect. I mean, it's beautiful. I love the beach. I love the water. I love the crashing of the waves. I love everything about it. But it's not a perfect environment. Adam and Eve were in a perfect environment, and they messed everything up. Because the Bible says they corrupted themselves, and they sinned against God. But, but, but what did God do? i tell you what he did. You know what he did. You read the story. He disposed of Adam and Eve, and he created another Adam and Eve. No, you didn't read that story. At least not in the Bible. Not in the Bible. You know what God did? i tell you what God did. God made a way for them to come back. Huh? Genesis chapter 3, verse number 21. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, and, and unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. So Adam and Eve in a perfect environment, I mean, they mess everything up. They corrupt themselves. They sin. What does God do? God shows them generosity and gives them a way back. God always provides a way for us to get back to Him. Huh? Why? Because our God is a generous God. Generosity flows from, it begins with God, our God. You look in the New Testament, chapter number 3, Gospel of John, verse 16. Remember that one? For God so loved the world that he, he gave his only begotten son. We could say this, God so loved the world that he gave his best. His best. His only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Huh? Again, generous. What is God doing? He's providing, he's provided, he provided a way for us to get back to him. Right? And you'll notice here how generous he is. He so loved the world. Somebody said, Pastor, how do you explain God's love? The Bible explains God's love by using the word so. How much did God love the world? He so loved the world. I like what, what it says uh, over in the book of Hebrews, Tony, about salvation. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? How great is our salvation? It's so great. Huh? You, get, you getting it? God is a generous God. Now, get this. Uh, generosity begins with God. And when we enter into the generosity of God, we then are influenced by it. Did you get that? Huh? We're talking about overflow and, and generosity. And when you live in the overflow, you begin to overflow. Huh? You, you, you become generous. You become a generous person. And that's because of our great God. And when you enter into the, genera the gener uh, generosity of God, you're influenced by it, and now you can become generous. And you know what happens? We begin to do some generous acts. Some generous acts. Uh, generosity as an action. I want you to think, think with me for a second. Uh, as human beings, now pay attention to this. We're not born into generosity. You aware of that? We're not. Uh, in fact, if you think about it, when we're born, we are born self-consumed. Yeah. 
All babies that are born into this world are born self-consumed. You get that little boy, you get that little girl, that little baby, she's beautiful, he's beautiful. You take that little bundle of beauty home, and it doesn't take long for you and I to find out that that little person has absolutely no consideration at all. Isn't that right? Huh? I mean, they, 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 don't, they, don't, they can care less how much rest you get. They don't care that they're going to keep you up all night long. They, they have not taken into consideration, uh, not, I mean, not at all uh, about the amount of cleanup they're going to require. Isn't that right? And I won't go any further with that thought, you know. But isn't that true? In fact, it's all about, pay attention here, it's all about them. <laughs> Have you noticed that? It's all about them, you know? Uh, so we're not born, we are not born into generosity. Pay attention right here. It comes later in life. And I have in parentheses in my notes, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Did you understand what I just said? Isn't it true? I mean, I love children. We got four children. We got six grandchildren. Love them, man. Uh, hopefully we have more grandchildren and all that. Good. We're not having any more children. That ship has sailed. Love kids, but they're not born. Listen, I, I don't remember the toddler coming along and saying, Dad, I want you to know, I, I know I've called you some grief in the last few years. I know I'm just three. I know I've kept you up. I know I must have cost you a fortune in diapers. I just want you to know I appreciate it. In fact, my, my, my children are adults now. They still haven't written that note, thank you for all the diapers and the sleepless nights. And <laughs> so it doesn't, it doesn't come naturally. Are you with me? No, I think this. I think once we get born again, once we, once we come under the influence of our God, then maybe we can develop generosity, hopefully. I read this. In fact, I heard this uh, just the other day. I was listening to a, a podcast, and this preacher talked about, uh, was talking a little bit about generosity. He said this. He heard about uh, a county, a county in our country. You know what a county is, right? We live here. What's our county here? Gloucester County. Now, I'm not, not, not talking about this one, but a, a county in our country, the richest county in our country. Now, I won't tell you where it's at. I don't we don't need to go there. But the richest county in our country is reported at being the least charitable. Did you hear that? <laughs> the richest county in our country is reported as being the least charitable. And I wrote this down um, in my notes. That means this, having more doesn't mean you give more. Let me say it again because I, I need a better response. Having more doesn't mean you give more. Huh? That's just the fact of the matter. Take a look at a Bible verse with me. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. I'm going to flash verse 7 on the screen, but I'm going to read verse 6. Verse 6 says this, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. 
You know what that means, right? Right? If you give a little bit, you get a little bit. Uh, he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. That's verse 6. Verse 7 comes along and says, Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. Amen? That's a great passage of Scripture, isn't it? Huh? And I think, I think the, the whole crux of that is this. We're being encouraged. God is trying to encourage us in the New Testament to give, to be generous. Are you with me? To be a giver. And, and, I, and, I, and it seems, I don't know, maybe this is just me. It seems God is trying to convince us that if we do, it'll really work for us. Did you say it? Look. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, or God loves a cheerful giver. Right? So I think God is trying to say, look here, this will work for you. This will be good for you. This will bless you. This will benefit you. This will Luke 6, 38 you. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 you. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 you. Boy, I wish somebody would get with me when I'm preaching. Huh? This is going to be good for you, <laughs> is what he's saying. But you know as well as I that not all giving is done cheerfully. <laughs> right? I mean, to tell you, sometimes it just, it's hard. And it hurts. And we give it, I, I see the word there, I didn't put it there, I, I promise you it's in the Bible. We give it grudgingly. Grudgingly. Now, I'm not going to take the time to give any examples of that this morning. But I'll, I'll be honest with you. There have been times in my Christian life when I gave it grudgingly. I gave it because I was too fearful not to give it. I didn't want to put myself on that side of the line. Huh? Right? Because here's the thing, and you know this is true. God will take it whether you give it with a smile or not. I mean, I've not seen one deacon turn away a tithe and somebody said, here you go, just take it. Oh, we don't want it. No, if that's the way you're going to give it. Hey, by the way, deacons, if they give it with a gr grudge, take it anyway. <laughs> turn it away. Yeah. But that's the action. Now, get this, please. All generosity begins with God as we, as we engage, as we connect, as we get in to the overflow, we then begin to perform acts of generosity. Right? And so now we start. How many of us can remember the, maybe the first time, it could be a long time ago, that you really started to give the way God wanted you to give? Can you remember that? Maybe when you started tithing or when God laid somebody on your heart to do something, you just went and did it? Huh? It was an action. It wasn't a mindset. It was an action. You get, you, you get me? Huh? And by the way, uh, this giving here is not bound to just finances. No, 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 no. Generosity includes time. Generosity includes talents. Generosity includes efforts. Generosity sometimes includes your presence. Are you with me? Huh? And that, that, that's an action. Generosity is an overflow from your overflow. 
Last Sunday night, I uh, began a little mini-series here at OB uh, called My Story. And looking at some obscure people in the Bible. Everybody's got a story, right? And then, you know what we did last week? We're going to do it again tonight. Last week, we allowed somebody from OB to tell their story. It was John Clemento. Told a salvation story. It was awesome. Only two, 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 two or three minutes. You know, it was awesome. And then we looked at some people in the Bible that were just obscure, maybe even never heard their name. Well, tonight we're going to look at a woman in the New Testament. And she's not real famous, but, but she's listed in the Bible as having made a difference by showing kindness, by giving, by being generous. That's her story. And it's in the Bible. Just because she showed a little generosity. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? So generosity is an overflow from your overflow. We recognize the blessing of abundance that God has placed upon us. And listen now, listen to this. We have a shift in our mindset. We say deep down inside, God has been so good to me. I have so much more than I deserve. You know, we we begin to become generous And before you know it, it's a possibility. It becomes a mindset. It becomes a lifestyle. Generosity as a lifestyle. Woo! How about that? As a lifestyle. I think this, I think many of us know, we know people who are givers. Right? How many of us know takers? You know what you do with a taker? You try to stay as far away as you can. But I know a lot of givers. And there are, pay pay attention right here, there are those who give, and then there are those who give. Amen? And, And through the many years that I've been pastoring now and the churches that I've been active in, I mean to tell you, because I've, I've been, uh, God allowed me to get behind the scenes and see some things that the average church member doesn't see, I've seen some unbelievable acts of generosity. I really have. I, just, I, I marvel sometimes uh, at it. Uh, and here's the thing with givers. Here's the thing with givers. Uh, it makes no difference what the required need is. Huh? When you're a giver, it doesn't make a difference what the needy are require, or requiring. You just have a deep desire in your heart to meet that need. Why? Because you have a mindset of generosity. It's become a lifestyle now. You just want to live that way. Isn't that awesome? Huh? Uh, and you know, many times, it's not the person with the most who meets the need. Huh? Many times. It's not the person with the most money or the most time or the most talents or the most energy. No, it's just somebody who in their heart, they just, are, they just live a lifestyle of generosity. And when they see a need, they just want to meet that need. Have you ever noticed in churches that pastor might get up and say, hey, I need somebody to, I'm just going to say, I need somebody to fill a hole in the parking lot. It's never somebody that's never done anything here. It's somebody that's always doing something here. It's never somebody says, hey, preacher, listen, I don't teach Sunday school here. I don't uh, sing in the choir. I don't do this. I, but I'll tell you what I can do. I can, every time a hole pops up, I'm the guy to fill. I'm your hole filler. What's wrong with being a hole filler for the Lord Jesus Christ? Huh? 
I'll tell you what, I'd rather go fill holes than have to do what I do because it's less pressure. I get to be outdoors. I get to see the beauty of my work. I'm filling holes. Hello? But, but it's true. And those of you who have been around the work of God for a long period of time, you know that it's usually the same person, that same person that's writing the check, that same person that's volunteering for the service. There are times I say to my staff, look here, we need some workers to fill these things, but please, 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 try to get new people. Try to get not the same people that are singing in the choir. Now they run from singing in the choir, they go teach a class. You know? And then they're teaching that class, and then Wednesday night they're teaching another class. Now don't get quiet. I'm not trying to make you quiet. I'm just stating facts. Huh? And it's because you're just not generous with your time. You're not generous with your talents. You're not generous with your, your efforts. Generosity has yet to become a lifestyle. Can I show you scripture? Matthew, Mark chapter number 12. It's the story about that widow, right? You know the details. I mean, all the wealthy, they were coming and they were dumping into the treasury, you know, of their abundance. But the Bible says this, this little woman, man, she came along and she gave, she gave everything. For they did cast in of their abundance, but she, look at these words, of her want. Think about that for a second. She of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Hello? It wasn't much, was it? Huh. I mean, it didn't equate to a whole lot. They couldn't do a whole lot with it if it was just her little two bits. But the thing that Jesus points out here is of her want. Of her want. This is what she wanted to do. Why? Because it was a lifestyle she adopted. Because she realized how good God was to her. And I can get into the backstory of being a widow. When you're a widow in Bible times, then you're, you, you can be in trouble sometimes. And she didn't have a whole lot, but she gave because she wanted to. And you may not believe this, you may not, but I'm telling you, I heard it, and I believe it. I've heard testimony of church members, pay attention here, of church members giving to the work of God their life savings. Now, I'm not talking about somebody who saved a couple hundred bucks. I'm talking about somebody of means that their husband and their wife got together and they said, the church is in this season of life. They're in a building mode. They're in a project mode. Let's trust God. And they gave, now I'm not telling you to do this, I promise you, I'm just giving the testimony. They gave their life savings, and this one person said they gave it more than one time. So they gave their life savings, they accumulated, another something, something popped up, they gave it again. You know what I say to that? Wow. Wow. That person wasn't a member of our ministry at any given time. However, I've had members of our ministry who, when we were in seasons of growth and seasons of building and seasons of renovation and seasons of expansion, that stepped up and stepped up large. I recall two times, I can give you a lot more, but I give you two, two instances where uh, we had a need of a certain amount of money. <laughs> 
And a widow woman came into my office one day, and she said, Preacher, I know we're, we were building a brand new building. And she said, Preacher, I know uh, that this is how much money that we need to finish the project. And so the Lord laid upon my heart, and she wrote me a check with six zeros. I won't tell you what the number in front of the six zeros was. Widow woman. woman. Nah, I, huh? Why? I'll tell you why. Because she had been under the abundant flow of God's blessing, and she just wanted to overflow. Huh? Uh, she lived in a very modest home, right, Donna? Very modest home, very modest life, but she was a giver. And when she walked in with that check, wow. During the same time, one fellow came in and he said, I have X amount of dollars um, that I know I'm going to inherit. God has laid upon my heart to go and speak to my parents and ask them, because they didn't need it, ask them if they would give it to me now. And pastor, if they give it to me now, I'm giving it to the work. I said, you sure you want to do that? And the person said, that's what God told me to do. And that person went to their parents, did what I just told you. Their parents said, if that's what you want to do, son, cut them a check, gave us the check. Why? Because, are you paying, paying good attention? Because for them individuals, generosity became a mindset. It became a lifestyle. It became a lifestyle. So I'm trying to say, I'm trying to say this. When you live in the overflow, there's potential for you to then overflow. Do you get it? Huh? Let me ask you a question. What do you do when your cup runs over? You know what some people do? Get another cup. Oh, I, I, didn't say it to, I didn't say it to get a laugh. I said it because it's true. Because when some people, when some people have the blessings of God and they're overflowing, you know, they, you know, they, they just want to, it's kind of like the story of the rich farmer, you know, where, man, I mean, his crops are just, and he's having just a great season, and he begins to talk to himself, and he says, self, you're doing pretty good. And I think here's what we need to do. We need to build bigger barns. So we can store it all. Are you with me? Huh? He didn't say, man, you know, God, you've been so good. I have enough. My barns are filled. How could I be a blessing to? No, I'm going to build bigger barns. <laughs> are you with me, Steve? We're talking about the work of God. You know what Jesus said to him? In response to that, we'll build bigger barns. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, you fool, today I'm going to call your life into account. You fool. You missed the whole point of life is what he said. And today, I'm going to require your life of you. Are you with me? <laughs> you didn't think this message on overflow was going to take such a turn, did you? I'll turn it next week where you like it again. Next week, we'll talk about getting. <laughs> Bring a friend. <laughs> Look here, when you live in the overflow, you can then overflow with generosity. Let me ask you a question, and we'll finish. What does your record of generosity look like? 
I promise you this, I promise you this is fact. If you were to go, and, and it's not public record, but if it were, and if you were to go to whoever keeps the records of giving here at Open Bible and check on Pastor Yanizzi's giving, I promise you, I don't miss a week of paying my tithe, of giving my offering every single week. I don't miss. I never miss. It's important to me. But that doesn't make me generous. That makes me obedient. You miss that. Just because I give my tithe and my offering doesn't mean I'm a generous person. It means I'm smart enough to, to obey what God requires. You know what God did to my heart this week? God showed me this week how I need to become more generous. And I don't mean, you know, I, my children, my grandchildren, you know, they need a book bag or something. Yeah, man, Pop, we don't have any kids. And that's not generosity. It's just taking care of your own. Generosity is God, would you point out to me a need that I can meet? Hello? Are you with me? And because when I wrote those words down, what does your record of generosity look like? The first thing I thought about is, well, I tithe, I give. That's not really generosity. That's obedience. But since I'm on the subject, what's your giving record look like? If it were public record, and once a year, we just flashed up, up onto the screen from the A's all the way down to the Z's. Huh? This is what uh, AA gave, and this is what ZZ gave. How many of you would say, well, when my name flashes up, I'm not going to be in service? <laughs> because I work a decent job, and at the end of the year, if all I get... By the way, that one county, that one county, richest county in our country that gave the least, least charitable, the average charitable contribution was $500. That's sad. Talk about people that are making enormous amount, the average, 500 bucks. Huh? And I think this, I think in most churches, the average Christian doesn't even give a good tip to God. Doesn't even give a good tip. God's not asking for our tips. He's asking for our hearts. Amen. So what does our giving record look like? And, and let me ask you this. When was the last time you can just wrap your brain around, when was the last time I volunteered to help somebody or help with something? Here's what we get all the time. Man, I don't have time for that. Right, Dean? We, we got this ministry we're trying to, this toolbox ministry. I don't have, Dean, I don't have time for, well, who does? Who does? But when you make time and we get together and we get maybe 20 men on a Saturday and we get three really needy people and we go over and cut their grass or fix their gate or unclog their, their commode or put new guts in, man, you walk away from it. You didn't have time, but boy, do you get blessed. Who has time? We're living in a busy world. Come on, man. Come on, church. This is not a pastor thing. This is an everybody thing. Huh? An everybody thing. Yesterday I sit in my office and the Lord laid upon my heart several individuals. Top of the list was a fellow named Norman Robinson. And I called Brother Norman. I said, hey, Brother Norman, it's preacher. Man, how you doing, Pastor? I said, I'm doing great. What are you doing? 
And I was going to go by and visit with him. He said, I'm getting ready. My son's picking me up, taking me out to lunch. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. All God then really wanted me to do was just call Norman. Didn't even cost me lunch. <laughs> but I would have gladly purchased his lunch. I know what he's thinking right now. Call me tomorrow. <clears throat> huh? When was the last time you just let God speak to your mind, speak to your heart, and put something there, and then follow through with it? I'm going to tell you something. The rewards, the blessings are out of this world. Huh? When was the last time, Jace, you, you, you heard this. When was the last time, church, you did some lily work? You say, what? Well, let's say it. Say, what? Lily work. Lily work. You know what lily work? How many of you know what lily work is? I know Jason does. I know my wife does. You know what lily work is? Anybody know what lily work is? Check it out for yourself. I don't have time to get all the details. First Kings chapter 7. You go read it for yourself. Solomon is building the temple, and he hires a fellow named Hiram. Pay attention here. It's an intriguing story. Just take me a minute. He hires a guy named Hiram, and Hiram and the boys are going to build some of the more intricate articles of that temple, and he's going to build the columns. Did you ever, did you, ever you know, go up to a big facility, you know, like a government? They got these big columns, you know, beautiful columns. So Hiram is hired to build the columns, and and the columns were to be, oh, I think they were like 18 cubits high. You know how high that? That's 27 feet high. And then on top of the column, he was going to put, you know, those things that in the Bible, they're called chapters, chapter 7, verse 19. Chapters, we call them capitals. It's just that inor, that inor, you know, that thing on top of the column. And he said, make them like he make them, I think he said, like five cubits. That's another seven feet. So this column with the top was about 35 feet in the air. And then he said this to, pay attention right here. He said this to um, Hiram and the boys. He said, when you make, because they made the, the capital, the top crown on the ground. When you make it, I want you to put in some intricate work. In chapter 7, I promise you it's called lily work. I just want you to engrave lilies and pomegranates and, and then put that capital on top of the column, and that column will stand 35 feet in the air in front of the temple. And the average temple goer, let me say it this way, the average church member would have said, why in the world are we spending so much time, so much energy, and so much money on something that nobody can even see? You can't look up 35. They didn't have drones back then. And Solomon would have said this. We can't look up and see it, but God can look down and see it. And lily work is work that you and I do that nobody else knows about but God himself. When was the last time you did some lily work? Come on, church. We're talking about living in the overflow. We all want to have the abundant blessing of God upon us. But then we, we need to let the overflow overflow to where we become generous people. <laughs> Amen? 
Living in the overflow helps us to overflow into someone else's life. And I'm going to tell you something, that in and of itself is a great blessing. What a great blessing. It's not all about me. Would you say it right now? And I don't want you to say it's not all about you, Pastor. Would you just say, it's not all about me, one, two, three. It's not all about me. It's not. When we get to heaven, I'll tell you something, we're going to be so thankful that we lived in the overflow and allowed the overflow to overflow onto somebody else's life. There's no greater feeling than when your overflow overflows onto somebody else. And you do that by being generous. Amen? Amen? Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.